Welcome to Let's Talk Referrals. Hi there, my name is Steve Black. I'm the founder of Referality and executive director for BNI West and South Central Texas. And for many years, my goal, my passion has been to help as many people as I can grow their business through referral marketing. And I'm hoping this podcast is one more thing I can do that will help you grow your business. What's my why? Why do I do what I do? I need to share that with you. I think you understand where my passion actually comes from. And to answer that, I need to go back quite a few years. My dad was a policeman for most of his life. Uh, he started as a bobby in London and gradually worked his way up to becoming chief inspector. Not sure how that translates here in America, but when I was a lad, all I wanted to do was follow his footsteps, footsteps as most kids normally do. Unfortunately, due to an eye injury and color blindness, I found out I wasn't able to do that. It took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to do after that. It wasn't until I went through the certified net program, a networker program in my late 40s with Mike Macedonio and Dawn Lyons with Ascentive that I understood what I needed or what I was looking for. And I found out it was really all about the community, not the job. I was completely honest with myself. Being a policeman would have not been a good fit for me. I have troubles following simple orders, man. You can ask my wife about that. Now, my dad passed away, unfortunately, in April, just a couple of months ago due to lung cancer. It was quick, somewhat of a surprise. Um, and after the initial shock, I really started thinking about what he had meant to many, many people. Even in Eastbourne, where uh, in the UK, where he had moved just a couple of years ago. Everywhere he lived, he became a larger-than-life part of the community. He gave a lot of his time, his resources, his expertise, not only as a policeman, but continued it when he retired. He was a very, very proud Rotarian and helped raise enormous amounts of money for the Bill Huntley Foundation uh, with Rotary. And it would have been amazing to follow in his footsteps as a policeman, but no matter how bad I would have been, I now understand what I really wanted to do was belong. <clears throat> become a part of his community, you know. I found my own community here in Texas, the business community, um, and then I found B&I, um, and that's where I've been for the last 12 years. I started out as a member in 2008 and was very, very fortunate to be able to buy the regions in West and South Central Texas in 2014, 2015, and become the executive director. Now, Mike Macedonio called me the community constable during the certified networker program when we figured out my emotionally charged connection, my why. But I just couldn't really see how to get that to fit with the business mindset, though I haven't forgotten it. So here we are. I'm building my community of businesses. Um, I'm becoming part of their success, success and their lives. I'm trying to help them have a better life for their families and all through referrals. Well, is it possible? I think so. Um, I've seen success through referrals. I've been a part of that success through referrals. I've seen businesses report thousands of dollars in referrals regularly. I've seen my 350 members in West and South Central Texas pass over $50 million in referrals in the last five years. And I've seen those same members pass over $3 million in referrals in the three months since we moved all our BNI chapters online because of the pandemic. Referrals work. So if you can think one thing, if you can think how I could use that community constable as a unique selling proposition in the business community, let me know. I've labeled myself referral maker, but community constable has a nice ring to it. I just want to kind of make it sound uh, business-like. So if you've got an idea for, for a USP or something I could use on community constable, feel free to let me know. 
So my first podcast, um, other than introducing myself, I wanted to talk about your personal personal brand. Now, as you know, your personal brand is how you appear to the world. It's your reputation, right? And that's why it's so important to take the time while crafting your content, your image, and everything else before presenting it to the world. Um, Throughout the rest of this podcast, I'm going to kind of walk you through a few steps that you'll need to take in order to shape your personal brand um, before you uh, show it to your audience. Step one to building your brand and the foundation for everything else is determining your target audience. I'm going to talk about target audiences in a future uh, podcast in a lot more detail. But really, if you know who your target audience is, then you know what sort of message they need to hear to actually buy your products or services. Once you solidify a picture of your consumers, you'll be able to do a much better job creating a brand identity that they can understand and relate to. Um, To get there, we need to start by answering a few few questions, like who am I trying to reach, right? Who's my target audience? Who would benefit from my product or service? I mean, if your target audience is 65-year-old retirees, and your whole brand is aimed towards millennials, you're going to miss, right? Um, What types of technology do they use? What kind of media do they consume? What kind of messages will resonate with them? Aim to get in their mind so you can think like they do and create a brand that they'll want to buy into. Frequently, when I talk to new clients and ask them who their target audience is, they'll respond with anybody or everybody, right? Let's get one thing straight. Your product cannot satisfy everyone. Right, especially not right off the bat. You know, there's going to be some people that are even that are ideal for you, and even the most successful companies and businesses have people who don't like, buy, or appreciate their products, and that's just something you'll have to accept. Here are a few examples of what a specific target audience demographic might look like: stay-at-home moms, college students, um, older adults suffering from arthritis. Uh, Consider a company like Starbucks. Everyone's heard of it. Most people enjoy their products they offer. I'm personally not a great fan of Starbucks coffee. But what makes Starbucks customers different? How do they differ from, say, people who drink McDonald's coffee? Uh, When you're brainstorming uh, characteristics of your target audience, it's totally okay to generalize. That's what marketers do. But you've still got to think about those characteristics, um, characteristics like social class and gender and what other things that you can think of um, that, you know, help identify your client, right? I mean, if you've got, you know, I think one, one little really side note from this is, you know, forget the fact that you want to sell to everybody because I personally like to sell to people that actually pay their bills, right, and I enjoy working with. You know, the first thing we do is the people that don't pay, the people you don't enjoy working with, you send them to your competition, everybody else you want, but you've still got to know how your messaging resonates with them. Even if you're not a big company, um, even if you're just a freelance entrepreneur, um, uh, you do multi-level marketing or an independent consultant, having a clear mission statement is the key to building your brand, right? Your mission statement, your message is something that should sum up what your brand is in just a sentence or two. Something that succinctly explains why you do what you do. Um, I shared my story at the beginning of this podcast of what I want from myself and how I want to help people, how I want my business community to be a part of my life. A mission statement is a little bit different from a tagline. Um, Nike, for example, tagline is just do it. 
But the mission statement is to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. So you think about your mission statement, what you really want to be. And all too often, companies will have a mission statement that goes on for a paragraph filled with unnecessary, trite, and ambiguous words. And you want to have, want to avoid making this mistake. Uh, most of the time, this is due to wanting to include everyone's vision of what the company would look like, right? Also being afraid to leave something out just in case. It's like asking for that perfect referral that we mentioned earlier. If you ask for everybody, the chances are we'll think of nobody. You know, you've got to think about how you want your vision statement, your mission statement to be to attract the right people. Now, not to say that your competition is your enemy, but they kind of sort of are, right? Since you're competing for attention and dollars, you want to look closely at what their tactics and strategies are so you can actually one-up them or convince your audience to use you instead of them. Um, you could also put yourself in a niche or a niche um, slightly different to them so you're not actually aiming for the same type of clientele. And you've got to look at what your competition does um, to brand their product or service. What mistakes have they made that you can learn from? What visuals do they use on your social media or uh, other information? Do those posts get a lot of engagement? What do their customer reviews say? When you're making these comparisons, don't go too overboard. Start by comparing just two or three companies in your local community. While your goal is to create a unique brand, there's also no use in reinventing the wheel when it comes to marketing strategies and techniques. If your marketing raises the ship directly to the home and you see your competitors advertising on Instagram, you might want to get on Instagram too. You just want to make your ad a little bit flashier or a little bit more tailored towards your niche audience. But beware, don't get too close to copying what's already out there. There's a little thing called intellectual property that can rain on your parade. Read more about that, you know, and find out more about what you can and can't do. You know, there's a lot of sites out there now um, I use a couple like Canva, um, Pixels, and a few others for photographs, designs, things like that. You know, a lot of this stuff is free. You can use it. Um, you don't want to imitate completely. You want to get take the best, leave the rest. Now, when you're going through your steps of building a brand, it's really easy to get overwhelmed by the competition and think to yourself, they've already done all this. What's the use in trying to compete? And when this happens, you've got to look back at your mission statement, right? Remind yourself why you do what you do. Remind yourself of what makes you unique and what you bring to the table. What that other brand doesn't have that you are are your unique uh, view, your uh, unique fresh perspective of what you are about in the business world, right? There will always be more prominent brands with larger budgets, more people power, but that doesn't mean your product or service won't help people or make a difference in the lives of your consumers. Um, there's a lot of professions with a lot of people in those professions. I think real estate is one of the uh, busiest um, job markets on the planet, right? Everybody knows a lot of realtors in just small communities. What makes you different? What makes you unique? I'd like to share a quick kind of case study about uh, two car rental companies that were vying for consumers back in 19, uh, 1962. It was Hertz, right? Hertz was the leader in the car rental game. Uh, Avis, the competitor, was losing millions trying to keep up. And that was until Avis launched a new advertising campaign with a new tagline that said, when you're only number two, you try harder or else. And it was huge, right? Avis understood that they weren't number one, but because they said they weren't number one, they're going to try so much harder than number ones do, and they were number two. Um, they were able to 
brag about their outstanding customer service, shorter lines, overall willingness to try harder, go the extra mile. Um, within a year, Avis went from kind of losing $3 million, uh, a year to, gain, to earning $1 million a year. And it's the first time they'd been profitable for more than a decade. And we move forward how many years? I know it's been a little while since Enterprise started this, but Enterprise basically started a campaign, we'll pick you up. Nobody had done that before. Or if they had, they haven't marketed it very well. And Enterprise spent a lot of money on the marketing for that we'll pick you up. Um, and I have actually used Enterprise myself because of that. The takeaway, be creative. Think about what your brand brings to the table that others don't. Whether you're putting together a website, uh, creating flyers, pamphlets, posters, whatever it is you're doing to advertise your business, you'll need to be consistent with that messaging. Um, and the best way to do this is actually create a style guide or get a graphic designer to create a style guide. This is something that essentially acts as a reference for all companies' visuals and graphics. Um, look at it as a um, your logo, your color scheme, your fonts. All of this sort of thing needs to be in, uh, included. Uh, typography, the icons, uh, any photographs, all things to consider and keep on file to refer back to when you can uh, create content or you have somebody else create content on your behalf. Um, a style guide is a great way to make sure that you're staying on track with your message. And when we think about brands, usually the first thing that comes to mind is some sort of visual, right? Which is creating a logo is important. It doesn't have to be a fancy, a flash logo or an expensive logo. We don't all have an eye for design and we can't all master design programs like Photoshop or Adobe Illustrator. Um, but there are lots of uh, resources out there. And if you really, really need a referral to um, some graphic designers, I know some great ones that I'd be more than happy to refer to you. Um, but you, you've got to think about your logo. If you've already got a logo because of your business um, or it's a franchise or something like that, you know, just make sure that it's, it's fresh, it's up to date, and it's really about you and your brand. Um, it needs to be the thing that people can recall when they think about your business. Um, if I was to mention Apple, you know the logo, you recognize the logo. The fact that it's changed four, five, six times in the last 20 or 30 years, we don't remember because it's so iconic. Um, now, again, if you don't have the skill set to create a logo, hire one, hire somebody to do it for you. Uh, get an agency to help you with it. Your logo, your brand, your style is very important. I once heard a story about a, um, a small family optometry practice that was having some trouble bringing in customers. They were lovely people, fantastic expertise in the field, but they just couldn't get people through the door. Well, we found, you know, we looked at it. It's like their logo was a graphic of a laser shooting into an eyeball. I mean, seriously. I mean, I understand what they were trying to do, right? Uh, you know, basically, they were doing the laser surgery on your eyes, and it, it, laser hitting an eyeball is a scary thing, right? We've seen, seen the movies. We've seen Star Wars, Star Trek, whichever one you feel like. We could have another podcast about those two, couldn't we? Who is the biggest fan of a Star Trek or a Star Wars? We'll, we'll go to that another time. But you, 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 you've got to get this right message. You've got to send the right message to people um, as you can. Once they got the logo changed, um, the messaging was better. They started to get um, a lot more customers through the door. You know, brand voice is also important because it will shape how you communicate with your consumers as well as how they respond to you. Uh, the way you decipher what this voice will sound like is dependent on your mission statement, your audience, and the industry or field you're in. 
Um, the way you talk to an 18-year-old is going to be completely different to the way you talk to a 65-year-old. Uh, the messages you'll uh, write um, um, as a dental practice, for example, are going to be uh, completely different as to the way you write, write as a financial advisor. And it's up to you to decide whether you want to become off as professional, friendly, authoritative, technical, conversational, informative, or some combination of all of these. Um, and ultimately, that voice needs to resonate with your target audience, needs to draw them in, right? And now, um, I'm, the, there's something called the elevator pitch. You may have heard of this. I'm not going to go into a lot of details about the elevator pitch. I think that's something we could do for another podcast uh, completely. And again, when I mentioned the unique selling proposition right at the beginning when I was talking about uh, that community constable, having an elevator pitch, having a unique selling proposition makes you stand out, right? You need to be able to describe what you do in a very short sentence so that people listen to what you're saying, listen to what you do. Um, try and make everything compact. You can't describe every single thing you sell, every product, every service. You can't do a whole list and take up everybody's time for that length of uh, for the, for a lot of time. But you need to come up with something that's really going to narrow it down as a focus and try to make it about benefits, not products, not service. Try to make it about a benefit that a buyer will get from using one or more of your products. And just one more tip on the um, elevator pitch. You can have numerous ones depending on who you're talking to. You don't have to stick to just one elevator pitch. I've probably gone on quite a bit with this now. We're right at sort of 17, 18 minutes with all the talking and everything else. Um, I felt like I've delivered a lot, and I don't want to um, over uh, over give you too much information right now. So I know we've got a lot of things. I'm going to be with you for a long time. I'm going to try to put one of these out every week um, on Friday afternoon. Um, Maybe next week we can talk about your elevator pitch, your USP in a lot more detail, give you some ideas, hints and tips, how we put that together, how you can actually practice and practice it to get it um, correct, uh, get, get, get it sound natural rather than uh, scripted or anything like that. So um, let's call it a day. Um, I appreciate you getting this far and listening to everything I had to say. Uh, my name is Steve Black. I'm the uh, founder of Referality. The executive director of BNI West and South Central Texas. This is Let's Talk Referrals, and I hope um, I hope you get to listen to this and many more podcasts as they come out. Take care. Have a wonderful Fourth of July weekend, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Bye bye.